Today's guest moved cities six times before the age of 18 and spent most of his adult life learning rocket science, studying rocket science. He has a master's degree in aerospace or aeronautical and astronautical engineering, as well as experience working as an intern for the European Space Agency. Naturally, I gathered all my non-scientific back theories and would like to test them out on him today. Louis, welcome to the What Your Friends Know podcast. Oh, thank you. So you were born in South Korea. Yes. So why why South Korea? Because your parents are both French. So my dad is the French one, okay. and my mom is Danish. Right. Um, they met at Union France, uh, so it was my dad's job that took us there. Uh, he, oh god, every time I talk about this, it's hard because I never know what he's done or whatever. Oh really? Like, I've had this conversation so many times. It just goes in one year, goes out the what other. What field did he work in? So the. The, the field, I guess you could say, is marketing. And so you went there for three years, I think, or they went there for three years. And during that last year, me. You were born? I was born, yes. And you have many siblings? Yes. So does that mean that, oh, because you move around quite a lot when you were younger, does that mean all your siblings are born in a bunch of different cities? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, so my twin, um, born in the same place as I am. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking, yeah. Uh, my little sister, uh, who's the next one, um, was born in Shanghai. And That's pretty cool. Yeah, and little brother was born in uh, Denmark. Okay. So we are all kind of spread out. So did they just go there to have him because you didn't live in Denmark? Yeah, no. We, so we never lived in Denmark, even though we spent a lot of time there. But it was summer holidays. He was born in August. Oh. So just on holiday, next thing I know, my mom's in the hospital giving birth. And wow. Yeah. That's really cool, though. It's quite, yeah. It's so it's just you four? Yeah, just us four, yeah. And a dog now. So. Okay, lovely. Where was the dog born? On the outskirts of Paris. I don't know exactly where. Okay, so Paris. Yeah. So then you moved to France, and you would you say you're French? Yeah. And Danish? Yes. Okay. But then you spent a lot of time in Shanghai and Hong Kong, about f five years in Shanghai? Uh, so three years. Yeah, three years, yes. That's a good amount of time in China, though. Yeah, that's, uh, it's great. Honestly. How's your Mandarin? Oof. Um, well, that's the thing. is So we started learning it in Shanghai, and then... When we came back to France after that, then I continued, but I was never any good with... Didn't want to give it a try. That's fair enough, because you're already speaking English, French, Danish. Yeah. Mm, and then you went to Bristol for university, and then yes. London. And then now London, yeah. And if you could live, go back and live in one of those places that you've lived so far, where would you choose? That's a difficult question, because Hong Kong, I felt like, was one of the best times of my life. Um... Obviously, we were living there as expats, mm. so your your existence there is somewhat um, unnatural in some sense, as in you're very much privileged. Um, everything's given to you. Mm. French schools, um, so you're still in a French... Oh, I was in French international school, so you're still very much in a French bubble. Uh, and my best friend lived 10 flights of stairs under me. Yeah, how did you manage friendships? Because I know that... And, you know, you sort of have to restart completely, yeah. but I can't even imagine having moved that many times, how you had to, how you navigated those friendships or friendships as a young person. Yeah, well, when, obviously, whenever we were told we're moving, the first reaction was always to say, oh, no, can we stay, you know, because change is difficult mm -hmm. for everyone. Um, but, and you don't realize it then, you realize it now, but when you're a kid, you adapt really easily. Yeah. So within a month of moving, you already had your your new friends because mm. school facilitates the making of friendships a lot as well. And the fact that we were in a, you know, similar environment as in we were with other French kids who were part of that expat, expat band meant that it was quite easy to connect. Mm. Um, yeah. Would you speak with your friends in French or did you have friends that you spoke to in English? Um, no, at, th at the time it was just French. Um, yeah, English, I started learning when I was abroad because of, you know, watching TV. It's either you have Chinese TV, which yeah. there was no chance of me understanding, or you just turn on American TV, basically. So, mm. but um, And so then your parents, if you were to go visit, you spent a bit of time in Paris. Yeah. Paris is pretty much viewed as the most romantic city in the world. Yeah. It's the city of love or is it the city of lights? Um, I, I thought it was the city of love, but when I watched Monte Carlo and I was 12 years old, I was told that it was the city of lights. I think that it's been given both names. Um, okay. I would say it's the City of Lights is quite accurate because not so much because of there are many lights, but it's the color of the lights. It's a very 
yellowy, orangey light. Against which, like the night sky. Yeah, which means that when you're walking in the streets of Paris at 3 a.m., you feel like you're in a movie, basically. That's if you really walk cool. along the river um, and the old parts of Paris with the very old yellowy lights. But it was, I feel like it also is the city of love in many cases because, um, well, it's got that reputation. Um, a lot of people go there to get engaged. My parents actually got engaged in Paris. Really? They did. Where? In um, I'm pretty you know. sure it was just at a restaurant somewhere. It wasn't like the whole Eiffel Little Tower, yeah. which is so so basic, so basic <laughs> of them. Um, but does the large amount of tourists in Paris sort of dilute the the culture a bit? Do you think? Because there's so many tourists. There in are Paris. so many tourists in Paris. I don't think it. I think it dilutes it when you are a tourist. Okay. Because I think it, when you are, for lack of a better word, of na a native. Yeah. Uh, like a resident, <clears throat> there's you're kind of in a pocket with the other like residents and natives where you don't necessarily interact that much with the tourist mm. so, and your day-to-day -day isn't affected by it whereas when you're a tourist you kind of you don't know where to go you don't know what to see um so you kind of fall into these touristic traps yeah which are less authentic it seems yeah. like your greatest um like figureheads of french culture are just so widely hated by the french people i think there is I think some people find some sense of moral moral superiority by criticizing. It's if you criticize this person for X reason, it means that you yourself are not doing X mm. X or Y thing, right? I mean, obviously the French people do love people and they do acclimate them and, s and stuff, but most of the time it will be criticizing just for criticizing. For the sake of criticism. Uh, yeah, it's uh, no, no, it's within the it's embedded within the culture, and that's fine. And what about? So French people also have a reputation of being very impatient with non-French non speaking people trying to speak French. I've seen that video of there's this guy and he's in France and he's like, can I have a croissant or whatever? And he mm. says it in perfect French. And the person's like, what? And he yeah. says it again in like, oh, to my ear, the most perfect French. And the guy's like, oh, you mean like a croissant or something like oh, that? Yeah, it's so that. funny. It's, uh, it's, I feel like there's two sides to this coin because on the one hand, the French will not be very receptive to you not trying to speak French. If mm. you don't make an effort to speak French, they'll very much, you know, not be kind to you. Yeah. But at the same time, when you do try to speak French, they'll be very condescending about it. And, uh, like, they'll be the first to correct you. And Yeah. Um, like, that's terrifying. Yeah, but I feel like at the same time, it's tough because French is a language I, I think is quite hard to sound natural in. Mm. Looking back at your childhood, what type of kids were you? Were you the typical absolutely would die for space, the ones that love space? Well, that's the, the interesting thing is, I, I mean, I've always been more of a rational thinker rather than... Um, creative? Creative, yeah. So I was, I mean, I was, I was very, um, I was quite good at academics. I mean, I had good grades throughout my entire school um, career. Um, and... Not through massive effort of working. I was just naturally okay at it. Um, but the this passion for space, I've I only I only noticed it when I was I think I was seventeen. But then when I noticed it, I realized that it had kind of always been there mm. in some sense, like subconscious. Yeah, or the reasons why I love space have always been there. Okay. But now that I've just seen space, it was. That was the the big thing. Like, ooh, I want to do that now. Um, but yeah, as a kid, no, I'd say that uh, I was shy for a lot of my childhood. I was quite shy. I love, and to this to this day, I still prefer small groups of friends that are really well bonded rather than mm. you know be that popular kid that's friends with everyone. But then quality of a quantity. Yeah, exactly. No, so I always um, relished. Uh, very close friendships with a few people, um, which in turn then means that it's it's harder to acquire them because you have such a high standard for mm. what friendship is. But while you're in school, it's completely fine because you're trapped. Well, trapped. You're yeah, put you in a room with other people it. for, I don't know, eight, ten hours a day, mm. every day of the week. Um, it's a very nice environment to do it in. You, it fosters good friendships because you can spend a lot of time and sort of weed out the people that you aren't going to be good for. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and you see them through 
their entire spectrum of emotions. You see them when they're sad, you see them when they're happy, angry, and you know. Whereas when you get out of school, it's harder to experience, or it's harder to see people in those states mm. uh, when you don't know them. So that's why I think that it's it's a good thing to have, but it means that when you're outside of this structure, it's harder to make friends or harder to make quality friends anyways. Mm. Um, and do you think that, because typically, and this is a massive generalization, but mm. people who <clears throat> typically like space or science and just super academic and naturally quite shy, and do you think mm. that because you had similar, did you have similar interests to a lot of your closest friends at the time? That space element has always been something that's kind of been, you know, me, mm. um, my own thing. Um, what about it? I think it's what you can learn from it, what space teaches you about, you know, where you are in space and time. So, it, yeah, it's when you look at it, it's so big, it's so massive. Um, it, the brain physically can't understand it, how big it is, because humans are, you know, we, we do calculations all the time, but we're horrible with numbers. It's so hard to imagine them. Mm. So if someone says, oh, this... Know, this planet is two light years away. You, no one can actually grasp how far away that is. No. But I've always liked that because it, you know, in spite of that, it's everything's still fine. So you don't have to understand everything. Mm. You don't have to grasp everything. So the reason why I wanted to get you on and talk about this mm -hmm. is because, well, what inspired it is because I have a skylight in my room and it's yeah. my favorite thing. It's my favorite man-made invention ever is that skylight yeah. but it means that when i lay in bed at night and i look up <clears throat> i can see the moon yeah and it just fits perfectly in between this little skylight no it's so nice and like on nights when it's clear you can see it just like so well but mm -hmm. i just stare up into it and i'm like that's incredible you know like i you just try to wrap your head around how big it is how far away it is yeah. how insignificant we are mm -hmm. how insignificant I am not even yeah. we the human race but like me yeah and um it really got me thinking about the fact that I think it's so important to understand the perspective of the fact that we are just so tiny in this world but then yeah. how how we relate to the to space and how people have been looking at the stars since like the beginning of time and finding a lot of purpose in that and yeah. then the term of spirituality is sort of a understanding that there's something beyond the immediate experience that we yeah. have as humans like uh, i read this book and it's i will reference it a lot because i just get a lot of my like it's yeah. the best book i've read that explains these like principles yeah. and spirituality and everything like that but it says that it sort of goes beyond um the five senses so like taste hear touch smell yeah. feel um did i get that right taste hear touch sight. taste smell sight have you said see yeah Wait. see yeah but it still works, you know, yeah. like we still send people or sent people to the moon well, despite knowing only 4% of everything. Mm -hmm. And most of the time that's gone well. And then back on Earth, you know, you don't even know. Like it doesn't that the fact that we don't know so much doesn't even come into the minds of most people mm -hmm. like on a daily basis because we feel like we know so much. I mean, yeah. we do know a lot of things, but. Well, that's kind of like I feel like that's exactly where science inter intercepts with spirituality and yeah. i think that scientists are so um reputable because they they study tangible things they have rules they have laws and yeah. and i'm not at all trying to discount scientists i think they're incredible um as a general population <laughs> um but i think people who are more spiritually inclined are really not viewed as just crazy people sometimes and i mean that's been yeah. since the beginning of time with witchcraft yeah um and women <laughs> um but i think that it's just so incredible because i feel like science and spirituality are like a brother and sister like they come yeah. from the same family they're just slightly different but their principles is pretty much the same like they have laws that govern things and govern the universe and they are relied on to understand so many different concepts like there's um like the law of Name name a science law. Gravity. Yeah, law of gravity. Yeah. And then there's like law of attraction or like... Yeah. I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I read and I've heard many times that we've discovered or unearthed 4% of 
like the laws, the physical laws that govern the universe. That's insane. And you know, when you think about that, it's very little, very little. Um, but I mean, it still works, you know. Yeah. Given you have such a science yeah. mind, I would just love to know how you view spirituality in general or what you would interpret to be spirituality. You know, spirituality is something that I have not come across for the majority of my life. Mm. If anything, it's, I mean, it's been mentioned here or there, but myself have never almost engaged with it. Uh, but so if I were to define it or to say what I think of it, it's establishing the relationship that you yourself have with the outside world, mm. but also your relationship with yourself. So I think there's this duality. It's you, almost you versus the world and you versus you. And so this duality that you, or this sisterhood that you're talking about with science and spirituality, I think that science helps you establish a relationship between your body and the universe, basically. Mm. So as in where you are, you know, in space and time and like more f like factual things like you are in this century, you are in this country, you are in all that stuff. But spirituality is more about your, well, your spirit, I guess, the relation between that and the outside to evaluate mm. um, from a spiritual point of view. And does that mean that almost scientists are kind of, they could be the most, honestly, the most spiritual um, category of, of people ever because they trust that like the physical is just the tip of the iceberg so many things that run beneath that you just have to f have trust in you know you you um the concept of energy yeah. you know the fact that energy can never be destroyed it's only yeah. sort of channeled into something else i'm sure there's a many many scientists out there who don't really understand the gravity of that statement no. but they rely on it for so much of their studies or so much of their um their practices yeah and i think that that's such an interesting part is that like for example if you break that down into this, the everyday person who's not a scientist like me for example i don't really understand how meditation works and yeah. to me it's just sort of sitting and thinking trying to think of nothing yeah. and you can be like well how how could that possibly make you feel better sitting down thinking of nothing how could something that's so intangible so mm. mundane yeah. so and there's no action to it. There's no like thought processing. There's no equipment required. How can that be so um, important? But it has so many profound effects on health and clarity and mental and everything. Yeah. And that's almost like, well, where does that intersect? Where does science end? When neuroscience end or so uh, psychology end and spirituality begin? You know, where does yeah. the whole like believing that there's something greater at work? You know, whether mm -hmm. you think that's a god, whether you think that's the universe, whether you mm -hmm. think that's um, from within you, where does that sort of take over from science? Yeah, I think going back to what you said about how scientists have, if anything, I think they are the most suited people to explore that, you know, intersection between like hardcore science and spirituality. Mm. Most of them you get really bogged down into the measurables. And when you start dissecting things into numbers, it is then hard to like take a step back and say, oh, these are not just numbers. Mm. These actually have a real-world implication. But did you ever, when you're, when you're studying for your degree, even now, well, yeah, possibly when mm. you're studying, did you ever have to come to a point where, like, I don't understand how that works? Um, yeah. Or did you ever learn things and they were kind of like, this is just how it works. This is just how, well, this is just an assumption that we have to rely on in order to figure out how to make a plane fly through air. Yeah, so actually, technically speaking, we're not 100% sure of why. But we understand in some ways how it works. Mm. Um, you know, it's airflow over the wing and, you know, all of that. But we don't actually understand what like causes it. So... I don't know if this is going to be too like technical or not, but basically the way that planes fly is because as it moves forward, so you have the, the engines moving it forward, therefore you have air that goes over the wing. The wing is like made in such a way that as the air passes over it, like almost like a, I guess you could call it a vacuum that's created on the top of the wing, which like pulls it up. Oh. So it's 
yeah, so it basically there's like a low pressure environment over the wing, which then like drags it up. Okay. Um, and that is associated with to the air going over over the wing goes faster than the air going under the wing, because faster air means like lower pressure, but they don't know which causes which. Is it the pressure that then makes the speed or the air flow faster, or is it the air flowing faster that makes the pressure? And so there's like these, so we understand why it works, but we are like the, the exact cause of it is still somewhat disputed. Right. Really? Yeah. So, like, even amongst like Reputable. professionals, I guess you could say there's still that mm. uncertainty. Wow, that's incredible. I always thought it was because, and this is just what I made up in my head, this yeah. most scientific, I didn't even read this anywhere, that when you move fast through the air, that somehow the air turns into from a gas to like a solid and then the wings just cut through it and like the, the, the air holds it up. I mean, in it, in some ways you could say that's because air is just like any other gas. It's like it's it has mass and mm. density and all of that. It, it, it's the fact that planes still fly and we still trust them to fly and we still, you know, have numbers that we can we can calculate how much lift is going to be produced. Mm. But even though we can do all these things, we still don't understand the root cause of it. Mm. And so I think that's like a, a microcosm of the big picture is like we can, if hypothetically we can learn a lot more about space, we might learn a lot more and make equations and like be able to predict things, you know, according to a scientific method. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we will understand the underlying like principles. Mm. And so I feel like that's where spirituality potentially can step in. in yeah and say well you know this is a possible there's a possible answer yeah there's a that. possible yeah. answer for that so well it's something more than what is the immediate sensory experience and you don't understand that you know it's almost like it's a sick a sixth sense mm -hmm. or like a sixth understanding or like just this unknown factor yeah. in life mm -hmm. it's always going to be there even within science which is just so clear and everything needs a perfect answer and everything like yeah. that um, do you think that religion is then, uh, like a, something that's broken off for spirituality or is it another way of sort of understanding the world that, um, sort of doesn't really slot into spirituality? I think religion is more, um, cultural, whereas spirituality is more individual. So, so religion allows for a group of people to well to believe in the same thing and therefore act in the same way it's is is your relationship of a, a group of people to something so a, a deity for example whereas spirituality there's, there's no specific need for a deity it can just be you know fate or mm. whatever higher power yeah exactly yeah um so the i mean at its core i guess you could say that religion is spiritual but the way that is now it's more of an institution mm. so you have rules and principles which i think goes kind of against uh the the very notion of spirituality mm. it's the fact that you have to refrain and you have to not do this not do that so i think i also quite like how with spirituality there's a lot of room to define it for yourself i yeah. think when i first sort of understood the concept of spirituality I googled it and I was like blown away by the definition that I found it was which is just I mean a general definition but it went beyond my understanding which was similar to religion that there was a right and a wrong and mm -hmm. there was one way to be spiritual and you couldn't you either were spiritual or you weren't but now I sort of had this understanding that it's a lot more fluid like yeah. you can sort of take and leave what you don't take what you want leave what you don't um it also it's sort of like a muscle, you know, like your spiritual muscle. You can, once you sort of get over the f your ego of the fact that it's not this like tangible thing where there's right and wrong and you define it for yourself. And once you begin to sort of define it for yourself, mm. then you have this understanding that you can have faith in because you're like, well, I, this is what I believe in. Yeah. And then you, your faith in it grows and then you can sort of rely on it in difficult times. And then you have this like spiritual connection that I think is just really important. And, um, I read that, and this is the book in the Celestine Prophecy, which is such a great book. It was um, a recommendation from my great friend, Eva. Mm. And um, it's 
like a fiction book, but it defines all these spiritual principles and it's sort of like an educational book basically, but for adults. And it explains that in the modern age, we've sort of withdrawn from the concept of spirituality because we are so in this like consumerist world that we seek pleasure rather than um, peace. Yeah. We seek um, immediate, like uh, immediate, immediate, what's the word I'm looking for? Yes, instant gratification rather than like general uh, belonging or um, um, people who are sort of spiritually inclined, I'll say. Um, think that in order for, you know, our society to return to sort of a more peaceful state, it means that people need to sort of reflect inward and create this spiritual um, relationship, build a spiritual muscle. Mm -hmm. And I think what's so cool about that is that it's not, you know, there's amazing parts of religion. I'm personally more spiritually inclined, if you can tell. But um, I really respect religion and how, what it does for people and how people find their peace. But I think that... um, if people were to sort of reflect and begin to build a spiritual muscle within themselves and define it themselves um, and then have more faith in it, then I think people would start to be a lot more happier. You know, we're going through like a mental health crisis and I think it's, yeah. Anyway, what do you think about that? Well, while you were speaking, I was actually thinking of a conversation I had over the holidays with uh, one of my good friends, which was actually about, um, he came out and said that the West, so uh, had lost its spirituality, uh, I would agree and was with the that. F- and was the first part of the world to do so. Then, as they expanded, so colonized and everything, and its model became the world model in some sense. That led to a loss of spirituality in other places, and so when we started breaking it down, we, well, we came to the conclusion it might be wrong but that the industrial revolution was the cause of it. Yeah. And then that links back to the, you know, where does science fit in all of this? You could say that science is the killer of spirituality in the West. You know, you have James Watt creates the steam engine and then industrial revolution. Mm. You create things a lot faster and then, you know, then you have your consumerism. At the same time, you have, you know, the principle of like modern day capitalism that arise and then the two merge perfectly together because you create a lot of things, you sell a lot of things, consume a lot of things. And then as you do that, you start to lose, well, men or well, men with a big M start to lose their um, relationship with nature um, because, you know, you live in big cities. Mm. Hunter gatherers long gone by that time. Um, And as you lose your your relationship with you know nature i think ultimately you lose some sense of spirituality mm-hmm. i think that it is essential for you to have somewhat link uh, a link to nature to be spiritual like even the stars and the moons like people yeah. used to um look back look up to the stars for guidance like that is the original concept of um astrology Uh, And people are so passionate about hating astrology and, you know, people can do whatever they want. But personally, I think that it's just and it is a pseudoscience. So there's no scientific backing to astrology. But um, that sort of similar to fits into the spiritual principles is that um, looking up to the stars for somewhat of some type of guidance, looking higher, looking up, looking to the unknown. Um, it has so many parallels to religion, but yeah. it also has so many parallels to spirituality. You yeah. know, you're looking outside of yourself or or actually within yourself because you're looking by yourself out up to the stars. What would be the best thing to do in this situation that would benefit people other than yeah. just myself? Yeah. Or what do you think my position is within this world that, you know, and once I find what my position is within this world, how can that guide me to to make this decision that you're, you know, trying to, that you're battling over, which is why you're looking up at the stars. What is your stance on astrology? Well, so personally, I don't believe in it, but. What is your star sign? I think I am uh, Aquarius. Okay. So, but. Typical. No. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, I think that, so that is one of the big reasons why science is in opposition to religion, spirituality, or uh, astrology is because of that. You know, it's not founded in science. But I think the bigger question is not so much, you know, 
do you believe in it or not? I think for all three, religion, astrology, and spirituality, I think especially for um, religion, whether or not it's true, as in whether or not there is actually a God and you know all that, is irrelevant. What's relevant is if enough people believe it to be true, then essentially it is because mm -hmm. they will act as if it's true, uh, live their lives as if it was true, which in consequence means that if there was actually God, that's the way that it would be anyways. Mm. So, there, there, mm. so for example, with astrology, I don't believe in it, but I can't claim that it doesn't change the way people act because if astrology, say astrology was, you know, real and it, people would have different, I think they would have different like personality traits, right? Mm. And would interact differently with people of different star signs. But people who believe in it will lean towards these personality traits more and will unconsciously, like subconsciously almost, interact differently with people of different star signs according to what they believe it mm. it is. Um, so I believe in the effects of it from a sociological point of view. Mm. That It's almost like humans make it real yeah. in spite of me not believing that it's founded on scientific principles it's almost like the modern take on religion and by modern mm. i'm meaning the more politically correct view of religion yeah. so maybe for christianity or catholicism maybe not taking the taking the parts about um community and service and yeah. everything and leaving the homophobic racist elements yeah. of it um but it's similar to that in astrology is that Typically, people will say, for example, as an Aquarius, I'm not too sure what the traits are, but say um, you are you are you're introverted. Um, you are like a big believer in giving others your time and service yeah. or something. Yeah. You will probably view that as being okay well i am shy and yeah. that's fine I, I can either work on that or i can just accept the fact that yeah. i am shy um and this is if you're a believer in astrology and then also that you're uh you are an acts of service type of person you'd like to give to other people yeah. and most likely if you were to read that frequently enough and be reminded of that you are subconsciously probably going to act in that way immediately yeah. after reading oh you're shy you're you're a giver you're probably going to be like, oh, I am shy and I am a giver. And so mm. I'm going to step into that and that's going to benefit other people. You yeah. know, not first of all, you're going to be like, okay, well, take it or leave it. I'm shy. That's who I am. Um, and it sort of maybe restores your comfort in being who you are. Because sometimes I think shy people are forced to, yeah. like, you know, go, like, be loud or whatever. They're forced to be extroverted. Yeah. But being reminded that you are that and it's okay um, could actually be really beneficial. And then if you're reminded that you're a giver, you're probably going to be more inclined to, to give to people, to yeah. just follow that through. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, is that the right word? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's self yeah, I think it is. I think... In a positive way, though, you know? Yeah. It's never like, yeah, sometimes it'll be like, oh, you're a Leo, you're a bitch, or whatever, or you're a Scorpio, you're a bitch. Yeah. Like, for example, if I read something negative in my horoscope, you know, in the newspaper, I'm not going to be like, okay, well, um, it says that I'm going to go through a really difficult time. I'm going to cause a really difficult time. Or like, say it says that I'm, I'm a bitch. I'm not going to start behaving like a bitch. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a, it says I'm a bitch. Maybe I should be nicer to people then. You know, like it's, it can be interpreted in a way that's actually going to be genuinely yeah. positive rather mm -hmm. than um, like I was relating it to the, to the modern day religion, yeah. I could, if I was Catholic or Christian, um, why I'm saying both is because I don't really know the difference between the yeah. two. But if I follow that sort of religion, then I'm, then I can, I can focus on service. I can focus on other principles of religion, but I don't have to be homophobic as, as a result. Yeah. You know, I can take and leave what I don't want. You have social pressures that then almost force, you know, Catholicism uh, to evolve. Mm. So with the, like the recent Pope has been a lot more progressive than its predecessors. <laughs> and it's not a coincidence that it's also at the time where there are a lot more social pressures to be. More law abiding as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. But um,
So yeah, so with, I feel like there is this element of self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think the way that astrology is set up, obviously I don't know this, but every sign is, or the attributes of every sign are written such that people will be able to identify themselves mm. with whatever they have. So, you know, if you write some, not generic, but like traits that are present in most people. Yeah. So everyone can identify. It'll be like, you have a ch you're going to have, this Wednesday, you're going to have a challenge to overcome. And they're like, oh my God, I have, you know, yeah. I have to get something, you know, a, a paper due on Wednesday. Yeah, that's my say, challenge. Oh, that's, that's, that, that's, a, that's what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah. And come Friday, you're going to feel a wave of relaxation. It's like, well, yeah, because I have yes. a paper due Wednesday. You know, like, it, yeah. that's sort, sort of how it interacts. But I think it's funny. Um, I think I, I, you can see the light in it because obviously people are going to hate astrology. It's not backed by science. But at the same time, I think it's quite sweet when people ask you what your star sign is, for example, yeah. um, or want or are open to, to discussing it with you. Yeah. It's the, the elephant in the room there is that they want to get to know you better. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like a pretext to, you know, they just know more it's about It's a conversation you. starter. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's... Um, I mean, it's it's one of those things, and I won't go into it, but it's one of those things. It's like a very female-dominated yeah, interest, and so naturally it's going to receive a lot of criticism and hate. Um, but I think at the root of it, it's just like, and just people want to understand people. Yeah. You want to read something that, that you relate to, and you're going to change your narrative to, to relate to that challenge on Wednesday and the relaxation on Friday because you want to be understood like... It's sort of one of those things that I think is so harmless. I mean, I, I don't know whether people have killed over astrology i don't think they have I but have it's a pretty relatively harmless interest to take in yeah, i think I mean, that that's uh, the, i think that's how you measure whether or not it's well i would say good and bad that's also relative it's <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll go into that like for example religion a lot of blood has been spilt over religion exactly. over the years a lot of good has come out of it as well mm. but it's something that you know it 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 makes people act it forges how people act with each other um, so as long as you, so with astrology, I mean, to some extent it does, I guess also the people who really believe in it might act or it might affect how they interact with other people. Mm. As long as it's not in like a harmful way, then there's, there is no need to, you know, to, to hate it really. Yeah. It's like, fair enough. You believe in it. As long as it doesn't impact other people negatively, then, mm. you know, believe whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so. I think it's, um, I mean, it's one of those things. I find it quite funny when people get really upset about it. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Well, I think, I <laughs> Don't think touch the nerve there. I think I used to somewhat react like that as well. Fair. Back then. Um, My brother does. I know yeah. I know plenty of typically males who react that yeah, way. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've never been asked the question, what star sign are you by a guy? But, <laughs> like, I think most guys, they're just like, oh. Why do they believe in this? Blah, 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 blah. You kind of have to know what your star sign is in case a girl asks you what your star sign is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. When I, when I, because every time I would say, well, I don't know because I genuinely didn't know. Well, then I'd, I would Google it. Exactly. Yeah. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm that. And then I just forget it. And yeah. Next time it's like, oh, well, you know, I forgot. No, I quite well. like it. It's quite funny. And what about, um, sorry, you go. Do you think it's used? So you said that it's predominantly used by women, mm -hmm. but it's also a way of like getting to another person. Yeah. Do you think it's used as a, like a medium to get to another person or do you think it's you know what well, as in used as a medium as opposed to other ways of like asking for example direct questions um like almost to mask the well, wanting I, to know you i've definitely figured this out that um i find it's quite a good barrier to get to know someone for example if i were to meet someone a guy and say, um, do you know what your star sign is? You know, I wouldn't come out with that immediately, but like eventually, you know, if, whatever. And I say, what is your star sign? And they go, oh my God, like you don't, you're not one of those girls, like one of those chicks or whatever. Then I'd be like, oh, you're kind of a dick, you yeah. know? And, and, and thank you for letting me know that five minutes into the conversation. Yeah. It's kind of a good barrier to be like, are you going to be open to, if you're getting what, so upset about me asking you one question, and you've you've made a judgment about yeah. me and criticized me and possibly my like intellectual capacity because <laughs> I'm yeah. because I've asked you about your spirituality. It's like cool. Well, I've I won't yeah, waste any more time getting to know you. Yeah. Yeah, it reflects like how a person reacts to different things tells a lot about them. Yeah, it's kind of like if he were to be like, oh, um, 
if I, if I would if he would have said to me like, do you follow rugby? And I go, exactly. it is rugby. Like, it is exactly. Yeah. The then then thing. they're then like, like, well, okay. yeah, you're not really open to like my interests. Exactly. And so it's kind of like in that way, it's it's a fairly simple way of getting to know one's own. Like nice yeah. yeah. So that's my advice. What about crystals? So uh, I think that crystals have kind of been similar with consumerism now they just pump out crystals that are just yeah. like plastic rocks basically but the root of it is sort of using a an earth element to channel some sort of energy or you know yeah. spiritual connection yeah. and i think that's quite beautiful but from a science standpoint what do you think about crystals well so i know very little about crystals like i've seen memes on the internet basically yeah. but again if it's it's if it's harmless then why why do you need to Mm. directly go up to people like oh this is wrong like what about the energy channeling aspect to it because you know how what i said before and that's yeah. that's where my science knowledge starts and ends the fact yeah. that energy doesn't die it just moves on from thing to thing but do you think that because en humans have energy inside them yeah. do you think we're capable of channeling that or mo moving that so with our moving that in some way i think that it is actually starting to be somewhat of a field in science so i'm no expert but i think that's so recently cool. people have started to take interest in how to I'd, i wouldn't necessarily associate it with like energy itself but it's kind of like how to hone and control your like be in 100 percent control of your body say wow and so I, like I, the, I don't know why this comes to mind but there's this this man uh wim hoffman wim hoff yeah, yeah. so I Ice think, baths. Yeah, right? exactly. That. And then they've actually done, like, ana they've analyzed his brain while him going in, you know, really cold water. And they found that he has, I think, I think the results were that he, he has a superior level of control over, like, some of the subconscious parts of his brain. And so that's when I, when I talk about 100% control is that. And then that you could call that, you know, energy manipulation as in mm. you're channeling energy to different parts like in this case with the cold mm. instead of having the immediate like normal reactions or like you know like well i don't know but like shivering and stuff like that mm. he was able to control it a lot more wow which is really hard because like, i went to norway uh, not too long ago and i swam when it was like minus 21 degrees jesus i don't know how he has that level of control but like that's what I would that's, like. That's what I would call, or that's what I would associate with this whole like energy flow is redirecting your body, because your body is capable of doing things, mm. so, like that you can't or we can't control. But it's like tapping into those is really interesting. It's um. That's funny you say that actually, because in that book that um, I swear I'm not getting paid to promo this book, but it's <laughs> incredible. Um. It, I mean, it, it brings up concepts that are just fairly uh, easily accessible and they're yeah. not too complex. It just is in a really digestible form and being a fiction book. Yeah. But um, he sort of talks about energy exchanges and energy manipulation yeah. and the idea that, um, you know, in there's like an abuser and the abused person. Yeah. And so then in that energy exchange, it's the intimidator's... Um, like threatening and being very aggressive and in turn they're like actually sucking the energy from the victim okay yeah. um yeah and sort of and they're taking it for themselves and that's the most aggressive form of an energy manipulation because the aggressor is actually sucking the energy but then in there's other ways of like the um he he sort of does it in pairs there's the in, uh, interrogator and then the aloof person yeah and so the interrogator just asks a lot of questions tries to criticize um ask questions so then they can criticize and sort yeah. of will pick holes in in the aloof person's behavior or, or thoughts or anything Sounds and like that's French. a way of yeah that's a way of getting control yeah um very similar to most parent relationships but yeah. anyway that's it does all have roots in childhood but um and then the aloof person will um will be really withdrawn and as a result, they they sort of require attention. So if I sort of sit down with you and I'm like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And you're really super quiet and you're really like, you know, kind of look like you have you have to say something, but you're not saying it. Then yeah. I'm naturally going to be like, well, tell me, like, what is it? Yeah. You know, like naturally I want to I turn into the interrogator. And it's just really interesting how 
those that's sort of a way of explaining how this energy relationship works yeah. and the energy manipulation because the victim in both in scenarios is sapped of energy yeah. um, but then in turn they have their own ways of getting the energy back which is really interesting yeah. do you think that that's sort of going to be something that emerges in science is the study of how those relationships yeah. without being tangible things mm -hmm. that person is is drained of their energy because of that i think I don't know if it will, it will it will definitely be a field, but I don't think they will approach it necessarily from an energy point of view. I think they might approach it from a like a more standardized and accepted like psychology. Right. Like the like the psychological relationships between the abuser and the abuse, for example, and mm -hmm. how rather than speaking in terms of energy, I th energy. Sorry, I think they might be like, well, under these circumstances, the victim. Um, sees an increase in stress and all that which then have symptoms like you know headaches or feeling like sapped of energy mm. so i think it might fall under the umbrella of like more classical traditional sciences but that relationship will still be explored i think mm. um i feel like it's something that is gathering a lot more mm. interest I, I know like my mom could talk to you about this for hours really uh, she's yeah she lo like she's very much into energy and all that stuff i mean into the concept of it, like she doesn't have like the crystals or anything. But yeah. She's very much like the whole like as we were talking about dynamics. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so if she's like in a confronting dynamic, she will. And then if she were to talk to me about it, she'd say like, "I don't have any energy left." Mm. And uh, she was like, "Oh, this was when I was back home. Um, my mom uh went over uh, to my dad's place." And my dad was just not in a very good mood. So he didn't unleash or anything, but mm. he was just not very positive. Yeah. Um, and my mom saw that as something that drained her energy. Mm. Uh, there was no direct confrontation or anything, but it's just being in the presence of someone who's negative. Um, and you feel like you have to lift them up. Yeah. That is draining. No, I mean, that's yeah. that makes total sense. And I think, um, I don't know if anyone's ever said, like, oh, you have you have good energy or you've got, you've got good energy today or... Yeah. I don't know. I think that those terms are becoming more used colloquially. Is that more like casually? Yeah. In conversation, like, yeah. so, I mean, maybe just among my friends. But um, yeah. but I love it. I think it's such a good yeah. way of like it doesn't. Again, it's something that you don't really it doesn't really make sense. I don't personally understand what <clears throat> energy is. It's not mm. a tangible thing. Um, and I probably won't even invest the time into no. learning what it is. Um, no offense, science, but I think it's a great idea, great yeah, concept. It's like it's something that you. So with me and my friends, we, I think we we don't necessarily talk about it, but it's very much present. Like it's like so much, so many things you could learn from that. Yeah. In terms of like education, like being aware of how you're not necessarily your mood, but how you portray your mood, how you carry yourself affects other people. Mm. It's not just what you say, what you do, but it's also just how you are. like How your energy affects yeah, others. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so if you're raised in a, in a household where, well, actually just from personal experience, like before my, my parents like divorced, um, they, you know, everything was amicable and there was no problem. It was just this like heavy like atmosphere, mm. which is like weighing you down, draining you of energy. And then as soon as they divorced, just... Like, it was just like a relief as in this way it's just been lifted off of you. Mm. Exploring those things, I think, is, like, really important. It's so interesting. Like, I was recently traveling with a couple of my really good friends. And one time at night, we were, like, in this room and it was two be two single beds. And she was on her phone. And she had her volume up, really. She had her notifications on. Yeah. And we were both trying to sleep. And her phone just kept, like, buzzing. Ugh. And I just read this chapter in the book before I went to bed about how... Um, the interrogator will like, oh, not the interrogator, but how people in a, in a search for energy or like quick, quick, um, uh, quick boosts of energy yeah. will like boss other people around or be critical of others mm -hmm. in an attempt to sort of put themselves higher a peg okay, or yeah. give themselves a boost. And, yeah. um, and I was laying in bed and I was like, don't, and immediately like the I'm night before bed. she'd done the same thing. And I said like, can you put your phone on mute? 
yeah. while we're going to bed. And then um, she was like, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, of course. And then the night, that night when I just heard the chapter, I was like, okay, how about you, like, take a second and just be like, she's, we, we she has ears. She can hear that it's going off. Just, like, give it a second. Yeah. And you know, lo and behold, she turned her phone on silent, yeah. like, f- two minutes later. But it's just so interesting because, like, when I thought about it, and f- this is probably me just overthinking it, but and when I thought about it, I was like, I actually feel better now Um like last night I felt like I'd told her off when I, yeah. and that probably po- popped her down a peg and like gave me a bit of a boost of energy. Yeah. But I think, um, I just found it interesting and I just wanted to share. I don't know if there's any yeah, back but I feel like there's two, two different sides of it though, because I think some people are more confrontational than others. Yeah. And so these might be the people that get a boost of energy, but I know that some people, and I think I'm one of them, I, they, we just don't like yeah. confront people and when we do it's draining mm. like you have to mentally be like right okay this thing has been bothering me for a while yeah well in england they like the passive aggressive approach yeah which is like oh, oh my god that that, that whoever's phone that is really loud yeah. like really annoying and see that's one of the reasons <laughs> it's like why you know it's mine just but, ask me to turn it off but that's why i like in some sense the french yeah they have the opposite they yeah. are turn your phone off yeah <laughs> It's more direct, and so it's it's you know it's nice to have sometimes. It's mm. The Australian approach is like, mate, your phone <laughs> is so loud right now. It's oh, like anyway, going off track. And I had to ask. Yes. I think getting someone who's such a passionate, avid fan of science and mm. space, sorry, yeah. and not asking about your stance on whether aliens exist. Yes, they do. Would be a waste of time, do they? Oh, I'm I'm. I'm 99.9% sure. Okay. Do you have anything to back that up? Um, I'd say no. like, I'd, I'd take the probabilistic approach. Mm. Like, there are so many. So the the first of all, the way that life as we know it is like, it's called like, it's carbon based. It's based around the carbon atom. And so if we were to say, all right, aliens that are like, you know, have bodies, not, they don't look like us, but that function the same way. Mm. You would just go about it, right? How many planets are there that could sustain this you look at all the galaxies whatever estimate how many planets are in the goldilocks region which is far out enough so that the water doesn't boil close enough so that the water doesn't freeze um and then so you have all these different environments and then if you then apply that to the universe there are like millions of worlds that Mm -hmm. are potentially like habitable and can like harbor life and from that point on i'm just like Surely it's got to be one. Yeah, that's very true. I think it's also very arrogant. No, is that the right word? Egotistical of us to think we are the only existence in this entire expanse of yeah space. It's, uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a complicated one because you can't prove, you can't disprove it either. Mm. So maybe if we we'll get be some... here for the next forty-eight hours, <laughs> filling out my SD card. If we if we go delve into that, <laughs> but, well, thank you so much for no coming on today. Thanks for having me. I think we've dispelled some interesting theories. But yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time. Hope you enjoy.